Our Heavenly Father, we, your covenant people, come before you this morning with thanksgiving and praise in our hearts and on our lips. We do not presumptuously rush into your holy presence, but rather come because you have called us to come. We stand before your throne of grace, acknowledging our unworthiness of receiving your blessing. Yet, Father, we ask that by your infinite goodness and grace, you would grant to us teachable minds and moldable hearts, and that by the powerful influence of the Holy Spirit, you would further the work of sanctification in us, and that for Christ's sake and for the church he purchased, you would make us a beautiful bride for him. Thank you for the gift of your Son, for reaching down to us, for sending us the words of the gospel, we who could not save ourselves. What a a glorious day when God became a man. And now, Father, hear our prayer as we sit under your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 6, verses 27 through 31. Hear now the word of the living God. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you, and from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you you also do to them likewise. And thus far the reading of God's word and all God's people said. Amen. Words always do things. They do all kinds of things, positive and negative. God said in Isaiah 55, So shall my word that goes forth from my mouth, it shall not return to me void, that is, without fruit. Even so-called idle words will be judged by God because even idle words do things. So I think it's helpful for us to recognize that all of our words are important. They either hurt or they help. They curse or they bless. And so as a final installment on this sermon series on the power of words, I want us to consider this morning words that bless. Last week we looked at words that curse. Words that bless. Your words, my words, have power to make us better. To make other people better. To make situations better. And to make this a better world. Before we look at some very practical aspects of this, I want to lay a little theological groundwork on the idea of blessing. What does the Bible mean by bless? Pretty simply, a blessing is an act or words of one that blesses. A thing conducive to happiness or welfare. In the Bible, there are several words that are usually translated blessing or bless. And again, sometimes it's helpful, I think, if we, for example, in the Beatitudes, you just substitute the word happiness. is kind of a useful way to think about blessing. The Hebrew word most often translated bless 
Barak, which can mean to praise or to congratulate or to salute. Genesis 1.22 is the first occurrence when God blessed the sea creatures and the birds, telling them to be fruitful and to multiply and fill the earth. Likewise, in verse 28, God gave a similar blessing to Adam and Eve, adding that they, too, were to exercise dominion over the creatures. When God called Abram to go to the promised land in Genesis 12, he promised to bless him and to make his name great, and through him to bless all the families of the earth. The blessings here are plainly associated with happiness and welfare, both for Abram and for others. And in Genesis 22:16-18, God again blesses Abram and adds that blessing is due to his obedience to God's commands. God is not the only one who pronounces blessings. When Rebekah left her family to become Isaac's wife in Genesis 24, her family blessed her by saying, May you increase to thousands upon thousands. May your offspring possess the gates of their enemies. When Isaac was ready to die, he pronounced a blessing upon Jacob and said, May God give you of heaven's dew and of earth's richness an abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and the peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. Another Hebrew word for blessing is esher, which is also translated as happiness. Job 5.17 declares blessed or Happy is the man whom God corrects, so do not despise the discipline of the Almighty. This blessing is connected to the knowledge that God is at work to direct us into the right paths. God's chastisement is actually a display of his love for us, like a parent who disciplines a child or who plays, uh, disciplines a child who plays in the middle of the street. Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3, carries that theme further when it says, Blessed or happy is the man that does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and so forth. And so the book of Psalms is full of references to this kind of happy blessing for those who love and who fear God. In the New Testament, there are two primary Greek words translated as blessing. Makrios carries the meaning of happiness that we just looked at. For example, in the Beatitudes in Matthew 5 and in Luke 6, describe the happy or blessed state of those who find their purpose and fulfillment in God. As in the Psalms, the best life available... um, for those who love and fear God and order, and order their lives according to his word, is blessed. Romans 4, 6-8 ties this happy blessing to those who have their sins forgiven, for they know the relationship to God has been restored. Eulogio focuses more on good words or the good report that others give of someone and also describes the blessing for example, that we say over our food. 
This word is where we get our English word eulogy, in which we speak well of one who has passed away. Ephesians 1.3 blesses God for all the blessings that He gives us in Christ. And in 1 Peter 3.9 instructs us to bless those who mistreat us because we were called to receive a blessing from God. Bringing these threads together, we see that a blessing is a statement of goodwill and happiness that is said about another as well as the condition that fulfills those good words. God's original design in creation was for His creatures, including mankind, to experience prosperity and peace and fulfillment. But that design was ruined when sin entered the world. Statements of blessing are a wish for God to restore His favor on others or a declaration of His inherent goodness. The ultimate blessing that God gives, that God has given, is new life and forgiveness that comes through His Son, Jesus Christ. The material blessings we enjoy from day to day are temporary, but the spiritual blessings available to us in Christ encompass time and eternity, as well as material and immaterial things. As the psalmist said in Psalm 146, blessed or happy is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God. Now, to shift a bit, that's just laying a little bit of foundation, probably things you already knew there about what it means to bless or to be blessed. Happiness, it's to give happiness, to bring joy. And we, therefore, are like God to bless in word and deed, but I want to focus today on how our words bless, remembering that words are deeds. They're a form of works. They're, they do things. And so, we bless the Lord. I mean, we, all, we clearly understand the idea that God blesses us, but the Bible tells us we're to bless Him. We're to say good words to Him. Bless the Lord. O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. And so there's a a thanksgiving and a gratitude that's expressed to God, and that blesses God. It makes God happy. Psalm 104, Bless the Lord, O my soul, O Lord my God, You are very great. So we see praise. You're clothed with honor and majesty who cover yourself with light as a garment, who stretch out the heavens as a curtain. So we're to bless God. That's not so much the focus of today's message. We're to bless other people. And we already read that in our text today. I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who spitefully use you. Romans 12, 14, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. And so we even bless those who mistreat us. We're going to speak good words. We're not going to return insult for insult, evil for evil, but a blessing instead. But the focus that I want us to have today is very pastoral, very practical, I think. And that is that we are to begin by blessing one another. The place where you can use your words to bless the most is with the people that you're the closest to. 
we pointed out last week, I think, that's also where you can do the most damage. The ones within the sound of your voice. Of course, that would start at your house. It would start with your family, your wife, your husband, your children, your parents. Note, there is some truth to that old saying, if you can't say something nice about someone, don't say anything. But being silent when a good word would make things better is contrary to our calling. Therefore, Galatians 6.10 says, As we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are the household of faith. And we might say, in light of what we're talking about, let us say good things as we have opportunity. Because when we say good things, we're doing good things. And so I want to set before you a rather simple lesson on how to improve the happiness in your marriage. How to improve the happiness at your house, at your place of work, and ultimately the whole world. You have to, or you have what it takes, if you will. In fact, if you would go out of your way to be sure and use three or four of the words I'm about to suggest here, if you aren't already, I can promise you there will be a dramatic improvement in your life in a very short period of time. When other people use these words that bless toward you, they make you happier. They make you a better person. And when you use these words that bless toward others, you will not only make them happier and better, but your own words will, as it were, bounce off of them back to you with blessing. So everybody is blessed. And so I want to give you ten words that bless. Just quickly here. I'm going to read a passage of Scripture or two with each one and just make some observations because it's really kind of simple, but really profound, really powerful. Powerful words that change things. Start with words of gratitude. Romans 16, 3 and 4. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risk their own necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. The simple expression of gratitude is powerful. You ever feel like people aren't showing you enough gratitude? How does that make you feel? How is it when someone shows gratitude and thankfulness? I appreciate what you did for me. And I don't just mean that blanket thing. Blanket thanks are good. You know, I thank you for all that you do. Thank you for... Uh, hosting us, uh, but thank you for this or that. But the more specific you are, the more powerful it is. Because that means you noticed. To be thankful is interesting. The Bible tells us to be thankful. It's a state of being. And if you are thankful, 
then giving of thanks is an expression of what you are. To give thanks is a true gift to others. So, to put it even more simply, first, be thankful. Second, say so. Number two, words of praise. 1 Thessalonians 1, 2-4, We give thanks to God always for you, for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your works of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of our God and Father, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. Words of correction and criticism seem to come easy, particularly as parents. Margaret Thatcher, Prime Minister of England, said once, she said, if my critics saw me walking over the Thames, they would say it was because I couldn't swim. It's easy to find fault. Any fly can find a sore. Have you ever had the red pen of a teacher bleed all over something you've written? I have. So we need to be on the lookout for things to praise. Words of praise go beyond words of thanks. They are a declaration of someone's glory. And since we are all made in the image of God, there is bound to be some glory in each person that needs some words of praise. You get more of what you pay for. And when you praise something that is praiseworthy, you get more of it. Words do things. Number three, words of edification. It's a big word, just means to build up. Colossians 4:29 Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers Similar to words of praise words of edification have a slightly different emphasis Their goal is to build up to make stronger these are words that help a person do more that help them be better Romans 15, 1 and 2, When uh, we then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of those of the weak and not to please ourselves, let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. Words of edification are a means of helping those who are struggling. Or perhaps who need to be struggling. These are words that encourage, words that motivate, words that move someone along in the right direction. Hebrews 12, 2, Therefore strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight the paths of your feet for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated but rather be healed. Simple words of building up, not tearing down. Number four, words of encouragement. Hebrews 3, 12 through 13. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily, 
while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Now again, at this point, you're probably seeing a pattern. All of these words that bless overlap in their common goal of bringing good to people. They work together to accomplish happiness in those that receive them. Words of exhortation or encouragement give direction again toward the good. For example, in Titus 2, verses 6 and 7, Paul says, Likewise, exhort uh, or encourage the young men to be sober-minded in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works in doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you. You can do it. I know you can. Number five, words of kindness. Ephesians 4.32, And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. We have all been sad or discouraged or mistreated before. We've all known the power of a kind word when we were in that condition. Kind words show concern and care and attentiveness toward those who suffer. We might be tempted, again, to think that our words don't make a difference, but of course we would be mistaken. Even when people have sinned, even when they've sinned against us, kind words make things better. Kind words bring blessing. For we ourselves were once, we read in Titus 3, 3 through 4, for we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deserving, uh, excuse me, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. And there's my favorite word in the Bible, but. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, it all changed. It changed me. Again, Ephesians 2, 4-7, through 7, But God, who is rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us to sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Why? So that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Kindness is powerful. Number six, words of song. Songs, which are made up of words and music. Colossians 3, 14 through 16, but above all these things, put on love, which is beyond, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Songs are glorified words. They are magnified. Amplified. Poetic expressions of beauty flowing out of 
The text says, peaceful and thankful hearts. We speak these words of blessing to ourselves, meditating them in our hearts, but then the overflow comes out where everybody else can hear it too. When we sing together, we are speaking words of blessing. We are uniting our thankful hearts. And when we are united, we are blessed. We're happy. Number seven, words of truth. Proverbs 23:16. Yes, my inmost being will rejoice when your lips speak right things. Words of truth sanctify. Jesus said, thy word, sanctify them in the truth, thy word is truth. Words of truth set us free. You shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Jesus himself is the way, the truth, and the life. Given in the right way, words of truth are a blessing. And I emphasize in the right way. Truth can be spoken harshly and with the intent to wound or to harm. Well, I was just telling the truth. In such cases, truth is hard to take. But truthful words that bless are given in a different context. Ephesians 4, 16 and 17, But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body, being joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes the growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Speak the truth in love. Which means it's always helpful. It's always a servant. It's always delivering the truth for the good of the hearer, not the harm of the hearer. Number eight, words of comfort. First Thessalonians 4.18, Paul's been speaking of death, death of the saints, and he says, therefore, comfort one another with these words. Oh, well, they're just words. No, they're not just words. They're words that comfort In times of sadness, sorrow, and grief, we often feel helpless. But God has given us a kind of salve that when used used wisely can bring real comfort and real blessing. Not like Job's friends. That wasn't wise. When we bring God's word or words of kindness or encouragement, words of truth, we remind one another of what we often already know that we need to hear again and again. Sometimes the impact or effects of those words come at the moment that they're given, and sometimes they come down the road. You say, well, I told them this, and they didn't respond, or they didn't, didn't seem to help. But then a week later, and a month later, and a year later, they're still there. They're still at work. And so I said, I remembered what you told me. I was telling somebody this week, it always delights me. Preachers love to to hear that the sermons were helpful, but I love to hear it when they were helpful next week and when they were helpful a month from now and a year from now and 20 years from now. Every now and then I get one of those. And you go, wow, the Word, especially the Word of God, is powerful and living and it does miraculous things. 
And so praying with someone is a great way to bring words of comfort as you weep with those who weep and make your requests known to God. Paul understood, and he wrote in Ephesians 6, but that, you may, that, but that you also may know my affairs and how I'm doing. Tychius, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will make all things known to you whom I have sent to you for this very purpose, that you may know our affairs and that he may comfort your hearts. Number nine, words of grace and peace. Romans 1.7, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now remember, grace always involves giving something that is not deserved. You might be tempted to use other words at a given moment at your house. What what does the text tell us? Why don't you try extending some grace? You might be tempted to use those other words, but that wouldn't be a blessing. And you, being Christ-like, know better. Paul instructs us, let your speech always be with grace. Always? Even when I'm angry? Yep, maybe especially when you're angry. Be angry and sin not. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. What does Proverbs say? A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly, but the mouth of the fool pours forth foolishness. Peace is something the Bible tells us that has to be pursued. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify one another. Romans 14, 19. And by the way, one of the main ways you pursue peace is with your words. Turn the temperature down. Number 10. Words of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 5, 17-21 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them as has committed us to, he has committed to us, the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. Words of reconciliation, I believe, are some of the most powerful words there are. How much of a blessing is it to hear these words? Your sins are forgiven. Jesus asked, which is harder, cause the lame to walk or to forgive a man's sins? These words are these are words that take away enmity, that take away strife. As I mentioned last week, these are really magic words. 
Now, we talk about magic. Sometimes Christians are afraid to use the word magic. But most of what we see that's magic out there, most of what we see are illusions. When God does magic, it's real magic. When, when, God, when Jesus says to Lazarus, who's stinking and dead in the tomb, come forth, he comes forth. That's not an illusion. And when he says your, your sins are forgiven, that's not an illusion either. And when you say that to a friend or a loved one, where there's been enmity between you and them, when you forgive one another or when you extend that forgiveness, those are magic words. You can take years of conflict, of strife, of stress, of sin, of guilt, and in a very short order, with words, it can all be done away with. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift before the altar and go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. And if you're going to be reconciled, you're going to have to talk. And if you're going to talk, you're going to have to use words. And you're going to have to use words that bless. This brings happiness to everyone. Go. Speak. Bless. Let's pray. Oh Lord, you have blessed us richly and you have done so with your powerful words. Help us to imitate you by blessing others with our words. By blessing the world. Father, help us to begin at home with our families, our loved ones. May we love them with our words for your glory and for their good. Amen. Peter writes and says, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren, Love one another fervently with a pure heart. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God which lives and abides forever. Because all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass, the grass withers and its flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. Which word? That everlasting word is the one that was spoken to you. The words of the gospel are the ultimate blessing. They are the good news. And in those words, we hear all of the blessings of God. And from that comes Things like gratitude and kindness and grace and all the things we talked about, reconciliation. The gospel is that message that Jesus came to bring to us that kind of life-changing power with his word, with his message, so that we in turn then go and change the world with our lives, living the gospel, adorning the gospel with both our words and words. 
our actions. Lord, help us to show forth our love for all the saints. Grant us wisdom, patience, and kindness toward our brothers and sisters in Christ. Teach us to sacrifice ourselves for the sake of all men, especially the household of faith. Give us hearts for one another. May we stand firm in the truth and remain gentle in spirit. May we be true to our baptism and live lives worthy of our calling. And may we use lots of words that bless. Help us, Lord, to sanctify this day as we delight in you and as we delight in one another. Bless our feast and our rest. We long to see the earth filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And so, Lord, renew us, for we are a weak and needy people. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.